Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we are going to break down the first two days of the Masters 2023 edition. We're going to give you a little something here on a Friday night that will just kind of be a nice little lead-in into your Saturday action, just kind of let you know where everything stand, maybe give you some ideas if you're playing Showdown DFS or Weekend Golf or if you want to make any live bets on the tournament. We're going to kind of recap where days one and two are, where the tournament currently stands, uh, and then we're going to talk about what you can kind of look for on the weekend at Augusta National Golf Club. So, this is the perfect piece of content to listen to if you're getting ready to watch the matches on Saturday, getting ready to build a DFS lineup on Saturday, or getting ready to make a live bet before Saturday's action. So we're not going to keep you too long here on this episode. We're going to be quick, efficient, tell you everything you need to know. So we're going to go ahead and dive right in with our recap of days one and two. But first, a quick word from our friends at Spotify. <laughs> So the first two days of action at Augusta National Golf Club have not disappointed. It is shaping up to be a really fun weekend at Augusta National. Now, the weather is the big question mark heading in, um, so that's definitely going to be a big variable, but let's kind of talk about how things currently stand. So the first big piece of news that we got on Thursday was that Will Zalatoris, who has finished you know top six in two straight Masters, one of the best major championship golfers in the world, withdrew right before his tee time, which honestly really stunk for a lot of people who had him in DFS and had him in pools and drafts and whatever because you know it was right before his tea time like there was nothing you could do about it and I say this as a Will Zalatoris fan I wish him the speediest recovery I know that you know with the type of competitor he is it had to be a serious injury for him to withdraw I have no ill will towards Will Zalatoris for withdrawing but I will say like it really really does stink to have Golf be really the only sport at this point where you can be playing DFS or, you know, playing pools or something, and you don't get to make a switch, right? Even though he hadn't teed off yet, there's really no way to make a change. Whereas, like, I don't get why DraftKings and FanDuel, why they can't program it the way, like, football kickoffs happen or where NBA tip-offs happen, where I can late swap a guy before their first-round tee time because, I mean, he hasn't played yet. Like, it would be no different than in the NFL going into Sunday and a guy's questionable in the 405 kickoff, and then at 2.30 he gets declared inactive, and you can make that change to your lineup. I don't get why that feature is not available. So that's kind of my issue with FanDuel and DraftKings, I guess. I wish there was a late swap because even if like even if it's slim pickings, it's better than getting a goose egg for your sixth slot. And he was at double-digit percentage ownership in the all the Millie Makers this weekend on DraftKings. So you're looking at, like, pretty much – 10% of people who played the Millionaire Maker just threw money down the drain because they picked Will Zalatoris, and it just kind of stinks to see. Like, I really think the DraftKings and FanDuel really need to consider late swap golf, and this is maybe this might be the impetus, you know, to encourage them to do so. I don't really see there being an advantage to, like, or, like, really a disadvantage, I guess I should say, to late swap for golf. Like, I don't think people are going to be able to really game the system because, like, you know, you, you still have to pick six golfers, and, like, you still have to have them do well so I, I don't understand like what the negative would be for allowing late swap I just think it would be a little more work to program in those tee times and make sure that you know late swaps happen appropriate times all right now the other big storyline heading into the week was live golf with its first well not first but like the first real season of live golf going into the majors as a full entity like last year at the masters live golf was not even a thing yet it was just a rumor so we're gonna really get to see if these guys can compete at the major level here this season and if the masters is any indication then live golf is kind of not doing so bad 
Like, as it currently stands, they have nine guys that are going to make the cut. They have eight guys that are going to miss the cut, which, I mean, in all honesty, that's kind of about average. Now, I will say some of the guys that are missing the cut are doing so in embarrassing fashion, like Louis Oosthuizen has been terrible. Bubba Watson has been terrible. And Kevin Nod just hit eject after nine holes and had Mike Weir out there playing by himself for the back nines. But, but the nine guys that are going to make it, there's three guys that are in the top 18 of the tournament, which is probably, I would say, more than I expected out of Live Golf. One of them is Brooks Kepka, who's your second-round leader. More on him in a second. And then you've got Phil Mickelson and Patrick Reed both sitting in there in the top 18 as well. And honestly, they can get the heck out for all I care. Like, I'd, I, I'm i a guy who loved Phil Mickelson growing up. But what he's said and done in the last two years, I have no desire to see him in contention at a major. And I really think that he's due for some negative putting regression. He pretty much made every marginal putt that he had on Friday. And so I really see him regressing into the pack. And Patrick Reed, you know, everybody's favorite, I say sarcastically. Um, he's just doing Patrick Reed things. I think he's going to be around, but I don't think he's ever going to contend for the title. Uh, and then you have Cam Smith and Dustin Johnson both lurking. Cam Smith did, like, honestly, one of the craziest things I've ever seen on a golf course, hitting a three-wood out of a bunker today. Um, and it was one of the best golf shots you would ever see, and that's just kind of what Cam Smith does. The, the rumors of Cam Smith being out of practice and just not in, like, great playing form heading into this event – kind of appeared true to me like I think he would be doing better if he was playing more golf but he is still going to make the cut he is still like he's not going to win the golf tournament but he's going to get himself a nice little payday out of this all right now we do have to talk about Brooks Kepka, who is your current leader on the golf course by three shots. Well, I say leader on the golf course. He's actually in the clubhouse everybody else is still on the golf course but anyway um he is like looking like vintage Brooks Kepka, Like he's, you know, carrying himself with that swagger, that confidence that he had way back in 2018 and 2019 when he was winning all the majors and he was in contention at all the majors. And he just looks that way again. Now, the other thing that I find really interesting is that Brooks Kepka is not wearing live team gear, whereas pretty much all the other live guys are wearing gear with their team's logo on. And I kind of find it interesting, but Brooks is really the only like Nike guy out of that group. So it does make me wonder if Nike told him like, look, bro, like you got to wear Nike gear. You're not going to be out there embarrassing us or, you know, anything like that. So I, I do kind of wonder whether it's a Nike thing. I did think he was kind of dismissive to the reporters that asked about it. Um, but I, I think it's kind of interesting that he's really the guy that's not doing that. And he's also kind of seems to be like, I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's just me, but it doesn't feel like Brooks Kepka is a live golfer. Like it just seems like uh, oh, it's Brooks. He shows up at the majors. That's what he does anyway. He's out of my mind for 48 weeks out of the year until we get to the week of a major no, no matter what. So, uh, I kind of think that he's not necessarily like your prototypical live guy in that regard, but Anyway, he's been great so far. I think he's the likely winner of this golf tournament. He did not have a bogey on the card on Friday, and he has been just superb on his approach shots. Um, he is hitting the green from every angle and all angles, and he's putting himself in position to make birdie putts, and he's made enough of them to be the first-round leader. And I'll be honest, I kind of think he could have made a few more today. So I think that number that's minus 12, it could have very easily gotten to 14 or 15, and I, I, could, I would not be surprised to see Brooks Kepka running away from this golf tournament. Now, speaking of running away from this golf tournament, there is one guy who cannot run away soon enough, and that is Rory McIlroy. Um, you know, the guy that everybody loved going in, the PGA Tour's favorite son, looking for the career grand slam, and he's even par on Thursday. He's kind of just, you know, kind of lurking around. And then on Friday, he just kind of implodes, and, and he had a really bad day. He had a lot of bogeys on the card, just a few uncharacteristic mistakes from Rory. 
and he's going to be out of this golf tournament. He's going to be missing the cut. And if you had him in your DraftKings or FanDuel lineup, like you're you're kind of screwed because your your big ticket, you know, big player is going to miss the cut. And um, he, he kind of sucks. Like I feel sorry for Rory. I think that there is a little bit of a mental and emotional pressure on him coming to Augusta National now because the second he sets foot on the property, everybody's going to be asking him about the career Grand Slam. And I do think he's going to get there eventually, but it is not going to be this year, quite obviously. And it, it, it does really stink to see Roy McElroy leaving Augusta National this soon. Now, two guys that I personally really enjoyed watching on Thursday and on Friday were Scotty Scheffler and Jordan Spieth. And I loved the juxtaposition on Thursday of them two being like on the television, on the broadcast at the same time. Because you had Jordan Spieth, who is hitting the golf ball all over the place. He's talking to the ball. He's yelling at the ball. He's trying to talk Michael Grower into this insane shot that he wants to try. And Michael Grower's just sitting there, like just nodding and kind of going along with it, even though he knows what's going to happen. It's going to be a water ball. And then you got Scotty Scheffler, who's just super steady. You know, the mental game's there. He, he makes the smart plays. He does. He never bogeys. He, but, you know, Spieth just kept coming up with these magical shots and getting birdies and getting pars when he shouldn't be. And then Scheffler is hitting greens, hitting fairways, just doing everything right and just can't make a putt to save his life. And it was so interesting to see the juxtaposition of those two who ended Thursday at the same spot. Well, on Friday, Spieth pretty much continued to be Jordan Spieth, right? He continued to, you know, have very dumb mistakes, but, you know, redeem himself with unlikely chips and unlikely putts. And, you know, that's what he does. Scheffler continued to hit fairways and hit greens. But finally, the cool, composed Scotty Scheffler started to lose his cool a little bit. He just did not put the ball well at all on Friday. He actually ranks dead last in the field in strokes gained putting. Uh, and I think that really, if he just would have made a few more putts, he would absolutely be in contention for this golf tournament. Scotty Scheffler is actually currently averaging two putts per green in regulation, meaning that when he does hit the green in regulation, he's actually averaging par. He's not making any birdies. He's averaging par. That's wild. He had 32 putts in his round on Friday. Now, two other guys we got to talk about are John Rahm and Victor Hovland. So personally, with where these two stand, these are the two guys that are on the course who have the best chance to put in a number that can challenge Brooks Kepka. But with the way that the weather is looking for Saturday, I would feel better about these two guys if they were actually in the clubhouse. Rahm has actually been pretty solid in terms of his all-around numbers, but I think he's actually gotten a little bit lucky. He's had some bad misses that just kind of ended up in good spots. There was one that it looked like it was headed for the trees that ended up back in the fairway. There was another one that was in the trees, but he had a clear lane to the hole. Like He's kind of gotten, I don't, I don't think lucky is the right word, but he's gotten fortunate with where his ball has bounced and the angles that he's been left with. And I definitely think that he's got to start locking in and tightening up a few of those screws if he definitely wants to be able to contend with Brooks Kepka this weekend. For Victor Hovland, he is lurking. He's still around, but I think his putting is unsustainable. In his career, Victor Hovland has not been a great um, around the green or putter, and he's actually doing both of those very well so far at Augusta National. So I think that he might be in line for a little negative regression in that regard. Now, Colin Morikawa is another guy who is lurking near Brooks Kepka. He has a super high green and regulation percentage, and he's another guy that would not shock me just because of his elite ball striking if he is able to hang around and stay in the mix. Now, the guy that we do have to talk about 
is Sam Bennett, the low amateur, which if you listen to the podcast on Tuesday, the Best Bets podcast, I actually called on there that Sam Bennett was my pick for low amateur, and it looks like that he is going to be the only amateur that does make the cut at Augusta National, so it looks like we're going to get that one right. Now, I don't know about y'all, but the first time I saw this guy on Thursday when he was on the broadcast, I thought he looked like Dabo Swinney, Clemson's head coach. Um, like that just immediately stood out. Like he he is Dabo Swinney with a soul patch. Um, and now he may be in the final pairing in the Saturday of the Masters. Like he has just been super unflappable. He's only had one bogey in the whole tournament. He and it looks like he has all facets of his game going. He's not just a guy who bombs it off the tee. He's not just a guy who, you know, chips and putts very well. He has it all. He kind of reminds me of Scotty Scheffler in that regard. That just all of his game just seems to work well together. Now, it is very hard to be an amateur and finish a major golf tournament well. In fact, no amateur has finished in the top 20 at the Masters since 2005. And in that year, Ryan Moore finished T13. Since then, Hideki Matsuyama was T27 in 2011. Bryson DeChambeau was T21 in 2016 before he got all beefy. Uh, and then John Rahm was T27 in 2017. And Victor Hovland was T32 in 2019. Those are some big-time names. That's really good company that he's joining. But none of those guys finished in the top 20. So Sam Bennett's definitely got some work cut out for him if he wants to you know, kind of etch his name above all those guys that I just mentioned. And some of those guys, major winners, right? Now, it is really tough for an amateur to stay relevant in a major championship over the weekend as well. I could find two instances in the last 15 or so years where amateurs really were making noise on the weekend at a major championship. Uh, the first one was the 2012 U.S. Open. Bo Hostler, who is currently a PGA Tour player, um, had the lead as a 17-year-old. On Saturday of the 2012 U.S. Open, that was the one at Olympic Club that was won by Webb Simpson, um, he was putting together a lot of birdies and bogeys and just playing really well. And he was in the lead on Saturday, kind of faded a little bit to end Saturday, and then actually faded really hard on Sunday to finish T27. And so believe it or not, Jordan Spieth was actually the low amateur at T21, but Jordan Spieth never had the lead at the golf tournament. Bo Hostler was the one that had the lead on Saturday. Now, the other instance was Paul Dunn of Ireland, who is still active on the DP World Tour. He was actually in the final pairing of the 2015 Open Championship. He entered the final round, tied for the lead with Louis Oosthuizen and Jason Day. But um, he had a terrible final round. He ended up finishing T30 uh, and was just never in contention of that golf tournament on the Monday finish that they had. Uh, that was the one won by Zach Johnson that was at St. Andrews. Uh, and so it's very tough for an amateur to end up finishing a major championship is the point being there. So does Sam Bennett have the chops to do what those guys could not and finish top 20 at Augusta National? Now, last thing we got to talk about before we start talking about what to look forward to. So the Millionaire Maker Contest on DraftKings, the six for six cut percentage, well, six for six made cut percentage, I should say, is actually a little lower than I would expect it to be. It's going to be around 20% as it stands right now. Obviously, there are still golfers that are going to need to finish round two Saturday morning. Uh, it's about, which 20% is actually generally pretty low for the Masters. Normally, it's up around 25%. The big reason why it is going to be so low for this one is because you did have have Rory McIlroy and Corey Connors missed the cut. Both of those guys were two of the top five highest owned golfers uh, in the Millionaire Maker contests. And then you had Will Zalatoris, who was double-digit ownership, who had the WD. Uh, and then the other two guys that are 
pretty much, you know, averaging double-digit ownership across the Millionaire Maker contest that are going to miss the cut are Tom Hoagie and Minwoo Lee. If you had Minwoo Lee, which I did, it's super painful because Brooks Kepka was the same exact price, and you know that if you just made that one switch, your lineup would probably be golden. But anyway, um, it is definitely going to be possible in the Millionaire Maker to cash with a five for five or five for six made cut uh, if you were able to have the eventual winner and a few guys that end up with top five finishes. All right, so that does it for the Thursday and Friday recap. Let's take a quick breather and then let's talk about what to look ahead for on Saturday and Sunday and potentially Monday. All right, so let's talk about what to look forward to this weekend at Augusta National. First off, the big thing on everybody's mind is going to be the weather. And I'll be totally honest, I would feel much better about my guys in a lineup, in a pool, in a bet, whatever, if they're already in the clubhouse done with round two. Because here's the bottom line. I am no meteorologist. I'm no expert. I'm not Jim Cantori out there in the weather with a microphone in an umbrella, you know, forecasting it. But I don't think that it's going to be good for scoring conditions if golf is played on Saturday morning. Um, it looks very much like it's going to be cold and rainy and windy, which means that it is going to be tough to make birdies. Now, as Saturday goes on, whether, you know, with what happens in the morning, then Saturday could go a multitude of ways, all right? If Saturday is rainy in the morning but clears up, then you're going to want to actually get out on the course as soon as possible. Really, one of the best times to score in golf is right after the rain, as long as it's not windy, because what that's going to do is it's going to create soft conditions. You're going to be able to just aim away at flags, and the greens are going to be a little slower, and the, you're going to have a little less roll, and so it's going to be real easy to just go pin hunting and try to get yourself as many makeable birdie putts as possible. Now, if the conditions are terrible, you're going to want to be in the clubhouse for as long as possible, so that way you know, you're know you not on the course when the conditions are terrible, and maybe it'll clear up by the time you're on the course, right? Or maybe it'll clear up by Sunday when you're on the course. How, however it works, if the conditions are bad and they're playing golf, you don't want to be out there. Now, if the conditions are really bad and it gets rained out, then it's going to create a pretty much normalized scenario, but that scenario is going to play out on Sunday and Monday as opposed to Saturday. So definitely, it, it creates a lot of variables and a lot of opportunities for leverage if you are playing you know, weekend or showdown fantasy golf contest, right? Now, here's what this also does mean, though, with the Saturday finished around two, or maybe even Sunday finished around two, in all honesty, but with round two finishing late, Augusta National hates to have Monday finishes. They have not had one since 1983, so they're really going to try to speed up play. So if that happens, it's going to be likely for round three um, threesomes as opposed to pairings. Uh, it will likely be split tees on one in 10, and it will likely be not clean in place. Uh, Augusta National is one of the places that really takes pride in not having lift clean in place procedures for the golf ball, and even if it's rainy. And so you're going to have guys just playing with a muddy ball, playing with plugged lies, and it probably will get really ugly if they do not budge on that policy. Now, another thing to consider also is with the split tees, what they're likely to do is like most PGA Tour tournaments that end up doing this, um, they're going to play the guys that are in the middle of the pack out first, and then the leaders and the guys that just barely make the cut out last. Um, so if you're looking to stack a certain time, you know, in Showdown DFS or in Weekend um, Fantasy Golf, then, you know, that is something to consider that the guys at the middle of the pack are going to be the guys that end up going out 
first. Now, in terms of guys to target for this weekend, um, in you know fantasy golf contest showdown bets props whatever i'm gonna give you a few guys that you can target and a few reasons that you can target them so the first group of guys that i'm gonna highlight is guys who can make a run on the weekend because they excel in bad weather okay this is justin rose shane lowry adam scott matt fitzpatrick tommy fleetwood ryan fox and cam smith now you might notice a little trend there. All those guys are international players. Yes, international players, especially ones from the British Isles, generally exceed well in winter, or not winter, in, in bad weather, in rain and wind, and you know just bad conditions for scoring. Those guys are used to it because of where they're from. And so generally speaking, those guys are going to play better in bad weather, and what they've done in their career backs it up. Now, two Americans who actually have pretty good numbers in the rain are Justin Thomas and Tony Finau. So those are two guys that you could target. Shane Lowry, I think, is super intriguing because he's actually fourth in the field in ball striking right now. So he could actually really, if he were just to have some positive putter regression, um, he's in a good position with or without the weather. So like Shane Lowry, I think there are some other guys who are in line for positive putting regression. These are guys who have struck the ball really well, done really well off the tee on approach and if they just made a few more putts they'd have been in really good position right now that is gary woodland dustin johnson tony Fino, scotty scheffler patrick cantlay and keith mitchell uh, however i will put the asterisk on cantlay um i think we have enough of a sample size now to know that patrick cantlay just can't putt at augusta um you know maybe he figures these greens out on saturday and sunday maybe he doesn't but uh, he is a guy that is actually striking it very well and should be higher on the leaderboard than he is now, here's also another list of guys to target. These guys are the birdie makers. These are guys that have made more birdies in the tournament than their standing currently indicates. Um, and if they can just cut down on the bogeys and keep making those birdies, they could have a chance at making a run. That is Jason Day, Shane Lowry, Jordan Spieth, Tom Kim, Sepp Straka, Tony Finau, Mito Pereira, and Taylor Moore. Now, y'all did notice um, the two names that showed up on all three of those lists, right? Shane Lowry and Tony Finau. Hmm. Interesting. I, I actually really think either of those two guys could make a run. I, I really do. I think Spieth could make a run. I, I think that Gary Woodland could make a run. I, I think there's a lot of guys that can make this golf tournament competitive. However, what I do think heading into Saturday, what is most likely to happen on the weekend at the Masters, I think that we end up seeing a Birch Kepka runaway. I really do. Um, I think a lot of what is going to happen on the weekend depends on John Rahm. I think if Rahm is able to post a number that's within one to two shots of Kepka, I think that definitely changes the mental strategy for Brooks Kepka. If Kepka's up three or up four heading into Saturday or maybe even Sunday's round, and he's paired with Sam Bennett or paired with Victor Hovland as opposed to being paired with John Rahm, I think it's just putting him in a much different spot. Because I think if you're Brooks Kepka right now, you know, you're sleeping on this lead. If you wake up tomorrow and you have a three shot lead over two days where it's going to be really difficult to make birdies, then you can play super conservative and just make sure you get your pars and nobody's going to catch the number that you're already at. And so I really think that we're looking for um, this weekend, I think the most likely outcome is really just a Brooks Kepka coronation and Brooks Kepka ends up with back-to-back -back victories at Live Orlando and at Augusta National, which are two totally different venues, two totally different levels of competition. Um, but I do think that it is the most likely outcome right now. If it is not Kepka, Who's the most likely outcome? Well, if it's not Brooks Kepka, I got to say it's John Rahm. But like I said earlier, I think a lot of it depends on what John Rahm ends up doing, you know, to end his round two. Um, if it is not John Rahm, the guy that I think could be there, 
I think if you end up with a Kepka runaway, I think your runner-up might end up being like Jordan Spieth, like somebody like that who can just make a lot of birdies and tries to put the pressure on, but never really puts the pressure on. Like like Kepka maybe wins at minus thirteen and Spieth ends up at like minus ten, like something like that. But I re- I really think that heading into the weekend, and I could be totally wrong on this, I really think we're heading in for a Kepka coronation with with his first green jacket this weekend. All right, so. That does it for our day one and two recap and day three and four preview for the 2023 Masters. Hopefully, um, we were able to kind of recap two days of golf um, in a way that was, you know, informative and entertaining. Uh, and hopefully, we we're able to give you guys plenty of ammunition that if you were playing weekend golf, showdown DFS, you know, making any bets, doing whatever on the weekend, gave you guys plenty of names, plenty of ammunition, plenty of reasoning um, to go out and find some guys that you can make um, that. Um, those picks with. So anyway, that does it for today's episode. If you are here for the golf content, make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed. You'll be notified new episodes drop and we will be dropping our RBC Heritage preview next week. Um, Next week is probably going to be pretty light on content. Um, I've mentioned here on the podcast before, I am a teacher and a high school football and basketball coach and I am actually testing for my national boards on Thursday next week. So um, likely going to be light on content just with the RBC Heritage preview so that way I can have full time to prepare and study for that test. Um, hopefully it goes well. <laughs> but anyway, um, if you only see one or two episodes next week, that that is why. Just wanted to give you guys the heads up. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. Best of luck to you this weekend. Enjoy watching the Masters the next few days, and I will see y'all next time. Mm-hmm.